I really appreciate worship on Sunday, as you guys all well know. Um, all the kids are released along with children's church workers. If you have your Bible with you today, could you turn with me to Romans chapter 12, please? Well, today I'm going to talk about Halloween. We got Halloween coming up in a couple of weeks, and uh, I just I was asked by a couple of different people. I used to I used to bring this message every single year until I thought that people were really sick of hearing about it, and so I haven't actually spoke on it for I don't know how many years, a few years, and so I've had a couple of people ask me if I would just bring this back out and uh, share what the truth about Halloween is, and so I'm going to talk about the history of Halloween, the effect of Halloween. And then even what the Bible says about things like Halloween. So uh, if, you could, if you've never heard this message before, maybe you have heard it, I'm just inviting you to keep your heart open to what God would say to you. Because if you're like me, I was raised with Halloween. Halloween was a big deal in, in our house. My mom made all these homemade costumes for all of us kids. Actually, for most of my Halloweens, you couldn't even buy Halloween costumes in the store. There's no such thing. That tells you how old I am. And my mom would make all these things, and it was a big deal, like the week going into it, because she would, like, sew stuff, and it was just really amazing. The thing, I went, like, an Indian one time, and I think I was a cowboy one time. I went as a mummy one time. Uh, they duct-taped me all up, all this crazy stuff. And so for me, when I think back of childhood, Halloween, I have a lot of great memories. And so even for me, I have to go, okay, hold on a second. What, what was that all about, though, and what were the effects in my family's life? And what does the Bible say about it? So as I talk about these things, I'm just asking you, open mind, um, try to separate your emotions from truth, and just think about what the history of Halloween is, what the effects of Halloween are, and then what the Bible says. And so um, part of my job as a pastor is to bring the truth. I'm here to lead you in the truth. That's my job description in a day and age where most people in your lives are trying to mislead you away from the truth. It's my job to lead you into the truth. So if some of this stuff is, is, seems counter-cultural, counter it's because it is very counter-cultural. Okay? So uh, are you at Romans 12, verse 1 and 2? This is kind of a backdrop for, for not just this morning, but even for our whole lives. Romans 12, 1 and 2. This is what Paul tells us. He says, I'm, I'm begging you. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So today as we get into the truth and we talk about the history of Halloween and look at a couple other things, I just want to try to um, encourage you. Don't be conformed. Conformed just literally means to be wrapped around a shape. Uh, so my hand is going to conform to this hand. And so when I take it away, it's still got that same shape. That's what the world's always trying to do. It's always trying to take us 
and conform us to the shape of the world. And Paul says, don't be pressured into what the world wants to make you be, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove what is the good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Wow, that's amazing. You know, being transformed by the word of God is, is reading the word and living it. Sometimes we can think, well, this is really complicated. I don't, I'm not sure how. It's, it's very easy. It's, it's very simple. It's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. It's simple. It, reading the word and then living it is how we get transformed. So having said all that, let me just tell you a little history of Halloween. Several places, I'm going to start in the Old Testament, and then we'll go out to some of the countries around the world. Several places in the Old Testament at around 7th century B.C., before Christ, we see where nations sacrifice their children to other gods, usually burning them alive in a big bonfire. That's how they worship their false gods. That's in the Old Testament. You can find it in Kings. You can find it in Chronicles. I'm sure if you Google verses on uh, baby infant sacrifice, you'll find lots and lots of scriptures in the Bible. This is 700 years before Jesus. So um, the next place where we find some of these things happening is in the 9th century over in Britain, Germany, and France, the Celtic priests, which were called Druids, they set aside October 31st, this is about 1,200 years after we see it in the Old Testament. It's now in a few different countries around the world, about 900, um, yeah, 9th century, where the Celtic priests, they were called Druids, and they would sacrifice babies in bonfires. Other things that they did, um, they by worshiping Samhain, that's the name of their false god, um, they did it with an emphasis to debauchery and depravity as they asked him for blessing on next year's crops. They believed, they believed that Samhain assembled all the souls of the dead on that night and then released them to go home to be entertained by their families. So yet the priests that are calling up the souls of dead people, calling up demons, and then targeting them into their families of their loved ones. Wow. They, they believed that if they went there and the families offered good enough sacrifices, then these demons, I don't know what they would have called them, I call demons, um, they would somehow bless their crops the following year. So worshiping false gods had always been tied into the next year's crop and fruitfulness. The funny thing is, if they didn't get what they thought they deserved or somehow the people didn't worship them enough, this is what they believed. If they didn't worship them enough, then bad things would happen. And so that's where the beginning of, they wouldn't have called it this, but if you look right now when people go out and they ask uh, the, uh, for a treat, and if you don't give a treat, then you're going to get a trick. Trick or treat. That goes all the way back to the ninth century of going in, you're going to give me something good. If I don't think it's good enough, then I'm going to mess with you. Wow. Um, in other words, demon spirits would come and attack the participants. Uh, in case you're a newer Christian, I just want to emphasize something. Satan has real power. Satan's not um, a made-up, imaginative figure to try to scare kids with so they'll go to Sunday school. Satan is really a devil. He is throughout the whole Bible, from Genesis to Revelation and several other places. He has real power. He assigns it to his generals, his majors, his captains, his sergeants, even his privates. It's an organized kingdom to try to attack and wipe out the very memory of God Almighty. 
Oftentimes that looks like him attacking our lives. He hates God's guts. We're kind of worshiping him, so he wants to wipe us out, so worship of Almighty God will stop. That's why we come under so much fire. Oh, and not only do we want to worship God, but we want to tell people about this wonderful God who saved us, and we want to make more God worshipers. That really takes him off. That's why we come under spiritual warfare often, many times. So Ephesians 6 says this, Ephesians 6, 12, listen to this. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. The Bible says this is a real deal. We need to have our minds uh, open to the idea that we can fight against this fight, not contribute to that side, but stand on our side. So back to these Druid priests. In preparation for these spirits coming back home, the Druid priests would build huge bonfires, sacrificing animals and even human infants. The fire was also used for divination. During this festival, many of the people wore animal heads and skins. Hmm. So we're tapping into darkness while we put on costumes around big fires, and we're going to expect something good, and if they don't give us something good, then we're going to do something naughty. That, that's trick-or-treat, isn't it? Isn't that Halloween, right? No, this is 900 years, 9th century. The Romans then took, Romans had a festival of Pomona where they worshiped their god. Well, they kind of hooked together with some of the stuff that the people in Britain, Germany, and France were doing, and they mixed these things together. Pomona was supposedly the goddess of fruits and nuts. Um, the Irish also had their own thing. They honored Makola. They believe this was the marriage of Samhain and Pomona to give them their own little Irish god now called Makola. Now, those in the parade, they would do a whole parade every single year. Those in the parade asked for food to placate him. You got to give me food that I'm going to give to Makala, okay? Um, for a farmer to refuse meant curses upon his crops, which they ensured happened by physical demolition. In the year 834, Pope Boniface moved the Catholic Church feast day from May to November 1st so that October 31st then became All Hallows Evening. All Hallows Day is November 1st. The day before is All Hallows Day's evening, which then got comprised to Halloween. All Hallows Evening is Halloween. And that was done because they could see all the evil happening. So the church at that time said, you know what, we need to gather together and pray against this stuff. This is really bad, and it's really having bad effects on the community. So the church at that time tried to establish something to come against this thing. Uh, in America, the only country ever founded on purely Christian and biblical beliefs. I know you, we look around now and we can go, whoa, we've slipped a little bit. We, are you sure? I'm absolutely sure that our, church, our country was founded on Christian biblical beliefs. We're the only nation on this planet that was totally formed in Christian and biblical beliefs. Amen? Amen? That's our roots. That's our foundation. In fact, our Christian belief was so strong that all the settlers banned Halloween rituals until the mid-1800s. You will be punished if you try to bring that mess into our communities. That's what our leaders then said. The first 75 years of this country, Halloween was not allowed on our land. They must have seen something. Something must have been connected. 
Wow. The crazy thing is, though, however, as more and more Celtic immigrants arrived, many, many of them Irish, Halloween celebrations were instituted. They started with bonfires, and this opened the door to trick-or-treating with threats. So why did the Irish come over in such numbers that they could literally change the demographics of our country? I'll bet most of you have heard of this. The potato famine of 1846 to 1850 killed one million Irish people. So this God that they're sacrificing to doesn't seem to have brought too many blessings. In fact, it seems like it opened up a curse somehow to the demonic realm where a million people died. A million other people left. Most of them came to America, and just like that, they changed over. Now Halloween was legal, or at least more acceptable. Sheesh. So what are some of the effects associated with Halloween currently? You know, it's funny because I, I went back in all my sermon notes and everything. The first time I preached about Halloween was in 2008, and at some of the notes I had wrote in there, it is so different now. It is so different now. When just that short time, 2008, there was a huge difference of what happened on Halloween Day. And even Halloween Day and Halloween night, it's like the, the usual violence spiked like that much on that day. Do you know what? Nowadays, it, it's kind of like this, I think. And it's not that the bad has really come down. I feel like the good areas, we're kind of more like this now. Because it used to be this bizarre stuff that, I'm sorry, happens pretty commonly now. It only happened on Halloween, where people would kill babies, where moms would drown their, their, their infants, where people would poison people. Um, all these crazy things that actually happen pretty common nowadays. I, I think the effects of Halloween and other things are working in our country. As we move away from Christianity and Bible beliefs and we go into ungodly beliefs and ungodly cultural values, look what we're reaping. There's, there's no question that we're losing ground in anything good, anything wholesome. As a country, we're, we're losing it. So what are some of the effects of Halloween? Do you know that Halloween is now the number two holiday in America? O only Christmas is bigger than Halloween. And I'm measuring that by dollars. We vote with dollars. We vote with our wallets. We, we're all consistent voters. I'm not talking about going in the poll. Some people never vote their whole life in the poll or maybe only a presidential once every four years. Every American votes every single day with how you spend your dollars. So we're constantly voting in the values we want in our nation. Halloween is number two after the birth of Christ. Wow, wow no wonder we got such a mixture. Whew. Halloween is the high holy day and the new day celebration of Satanists. And I'm not talking about some of these crazy teenage kids or got a t-shirt on there, highway to hell and all that nonsense. That, those are just mixed up kids doing you know, stuff that's messing them up. I did that. I, I was big into ACDC, all that nonsense. I wasn't a Satanist. I don't believe in Satan. Got to believe in him to be one, right? Um, true Satanists. There are true devil-worshipping Satanists right now in this day and age. And I hate to tell you, like, I'm trying to, to give you guys some truth without giving this dude too much free advertisement. That's how I feel about it. Um, on that day, on the 31st, true Satanists will come together and they will do animal and human sacrifices to Satan, asking for more of his dark power in our nation. I, this probably sounds cuckoo if you've never heard it before. It's the absolute truth. 
It's the absolute truth. There's literally covens of witches that have women breeders that get pregnant and have babies for the sole purpose to sacrifice to Satan. It's the absolute truth. Honestly, I'm telling you the truth on this stuff. It sounds crazy. If you've never heard this before, I know it's very different, but it's absolutely true. These women get pregnant, and they have the baby. They never go to the doctors. They never go to the hospital. There's zero record of these kids, and they get sacrificed on October 31st. You may be thinking, well, how come we never really see these real ones? How come I've never really heard about this stuff? Well, you know, if you're a spy during the war, you don't run around going, hey, I'm here, I'm spying for Afghanistan. You want to see all the cool things I use when I'm spying on you? The whole idea of a good spy is to stay under the radar, out of cover, so you can cause as much mayhem in that nation as you possibly can. That's what true Satanists do. Some of this other stuff that people claim to be Satan, doing all this other stuff, that they may be satanically empowered, but they're not true Satanists. They're not the true, absolute true ones. The, best, the, the real ones are as secretive as they possibly can be, and they're trying to stay off of the radar. They offer animal sacrifices and human sacrifices. Uh, there's absolute documented proof of organized covens. These are witches that have women in there that are breeders that have babies for October 31st. Whew. Man. It used to be, this is what I tell people. If you want to see the power of Halloween and what happens on Halloween, some of you aren't even going to know what this word is. I would tell people to get a newspaper like a week before Halloween and just look, look at the headlines. Get a newspaper the day after Halloween and look at the headlines. And they get a newspaper a week after. These two are going to be pretty normal. Um, cost of interest rates, maybe a car accident, some simple things. This one there would be mind-blowing headlines. Four kids mangled because of razor blades and apples. Twelve kids died because this candy was poisoned. In Detroit for several years, they celebrated Devil's Night. And hundreds of garages would get burnt down on Halloween night. The worst year ever was 1,100 garages got burnt on Halloween night. Never anything else like it, anywhere else like it, on any other night, just that one night. Wow. It's, it's more than pranks that cause whole cities to do that kind of stuff like the garages in Detroit. I just, I, I, I got to ask you guys, what kind of person in his right mind would put a razor blade in an apple so a kid he's never met before would bite that apple? That, that's, that's outside of human thinking. That's demonically inspired idea. What kind of a monster would get candy and poison it and hand it out to a bunch of kids he's never met? It's got to be demonically influenced. That kind of messed up, jacked up thinking. I don't think a human at their worst can be that bad without some kind of demonic inspiration. That's, that's just my own personal thought. So what does the Bible say about these kinds of celebrations? If you have your Bible, could you turn with me to Deuteronomy 18? We'll start at verse 9. Again, I'm trying to uh, um, just speak some truth and try to get us concerned about what's behind all this without giving the enemy too much free advertisement. I was at uh, one of the convenience stores a few days ago, and Jeanette was looking at something, so I was just kind of wandering around, killing some time like guys do at stores. And I went over by their magazine section, 
and the magazine section had three levels. And I think the, the top level was like exercise or something, not quite sure. The bottom level might have been cookbooks or that kind of stuff. And the middle level was about entertainment and stuff, current event type things. I was shocked. I, I mean, I literally was getting my phone out to take a picture of it to, to shock you guys with it. And I realized, no, I'm, I'm not giving him that free advertisement. I won't do that. So put my phone away. But there was at least two or three magazines that said witches, how to be a witch, um, practicing witchcraft, um, sorcery, uh, say, how to worship say, uh, satanically, I think, something like that. All, all, the whole middle, the whole middle thing, every magazine was about demons, demonic, satanic, worshiping the devil, who is the devil, how to worship him, how to tie in. I was shocked. Now, I've seen a magazine where one of the articles might say something about Satanism. So, uh, yeah, okay. These were just whole magazines, the whole, the whole cover, all of it, one after another, after another. The whole shelf and a couple of layers was all about the devil and Satan. Wow. wow. I, I, I think we might be losing ground. So this is what, what God says about this kind of stuff. Deuteronomy 18, verse 9 through 13. When you come into the land which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interrupts, interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or spiritus, or one who calls up the dead. Excuse me. For all who do these things are an abomination. That means extremely disgusting. For all who do these things are extremely disgusting to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. Wow. So he calls out, in all this stuff, he calls out witchcraft, fortune telling, palm reading, mediums. Um, these go between, how many shows are there on TV right now where there's mediums are like the host? And you go on the show, and then we're going to conjure up old Aunt Josephine, and then we're going to talk to her a little bit. It, wait, what? It, if this was all fake and imagination, it wouldn't be in the Bible. If we couldn't really do it, God wouldn't have had to tell us not do it. If we can't do it, he wouldn't tell us not to do it. Why is he telling us not to do it, to have no part of it? It, it must be real, and it must be pretty available. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Now, this command was given to the Israelites as they came out of Egypt, and they're going up into their new land. It, what does that have to do with us? All of us grew up around here. This is, uh, most of us got saved somewhere along the line from where we were born to where we are right now. We're born-again Christians. Before I was a born-again Christian, I went to Halloween parties. I went to bonfires, got hammered, debauchery. You better believe it. All this stuff, yep, I did all that stuff. And people say, you know, well, you know Halloween's real. I would just laugh at them, just like I'd laugh at them when they told me Jesus Christ was real. I had zero faith, and I did all that stuff. But somewhere between there and the pastor that's standing in front of you today, I walked away from all that stuff. I repented of all that stuff. I realized that when we open doors, stuff comes in through open doors. Man. We've moved from the land of the lost, and we now live in the kingdom of righteousness. We're citizens there. And, and so I want to be a good citizen in God's kingdom. 
And so I live by his rules, his values, his way of life, and I expect that when I live my life the way God wants me to, I expect that to be blessed. Because that's what God says. If you'll do this, I'll do that. But if I do some of this other stuff that he's called out for centuries and I mess around with it, I, I don't think I, I wouldn't be able to have much confidence that God's going to be able to bless me if I'm doing that kind of stuff. That, that's for me. People say, well, Pastor, you tell me I can't celebrate Halloween? Nope, I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you, pray about it, check out the truth, and see what you want to do for you and your relationship with God. As for me and my house, we will not be doing Halloween. You need to decide for you. I learned a long time ago, I'm not up here to tell you guys what you're supposed to do. I'm up here to show you the truth. You make your own decision. Amen? And I will be in here praying for you, absolutely, to make the right decision. The thing with opening a door, whether it's, it's, it's usually sin. We don't, sometimes we don't call certain things sin. We call it, you know, getting high and drinking and porn. Okay, well, those are sin. What about little white lies? What about keeping an offense? What about unforgiveness? Well, those are all sin, too. I mean, we think we can just dabble with a little bit of stuff and we got control of it. But the truth is, when we mess around with any kind of sin, oh, by the way, sin is when we do something that God told us not to do and we know it. God says, don't do this. We go, well, yeah, I, I got you. I, I hear you, but I'm just going to do a little. I'm just going to. That's sin. The problem with sin, and I find this in my life, maybe you found it in your life. It keeps me there longer than I wanted. It cost me more than I thought it was going to cost me, and it takes me farther away from God than I thought it was going to do. Yeah. Oh, it's just a little sin. I, I, I got this. It's 10, 15 minutes. A, a good hour from now, this will all be, I'll repent, be forgiven. Uh, An hour from then, I'm depressed, I'm discouraged. I don't want to repent. I don't want to pray. And all of a sudden, it's spiraling because I made this dumb decision. I'm just telling you, when you're thinking about this, when we open the door to disobedience to God and something we know that we're absolutely wrong in doing that, what else are we opening up in our lives, in our family's life? Halloween is the devil's night. The devil is God's sworn enemy, period. Imagine, imagine if I had a friend who hated your guts, and, and you knew that. And it's like, Two or three times, we're all three together, and, and this guy just starts bad-mouthing you and calling you all kinds of names and cussing you out, saying, hope you die. I hope your whole family dies. I can't stand you. I hate you. Every chance I get, I'm going to mess with you. That's my goal in life. Mess. What, what would you expect me to do? Like, oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. Why don't you guys work it out? You'd be like, dude, why are you with that guy? What if I go, you know what? I'm sorry he treated you like that. We, we got to go. We get, so we leave, and a couple of months later, I go, hey, guess what? You remember that one guy? It's his party this weekend. You want to go to his party? You'd be like, what are you smoking, dude? No, seriously. I, I know he says some horrible, he's not really a gay guy, but his parties are so fun, man. We dress up, and it's like, it's in the dark, and, and like we have all kinds of cool stuff to eat and drink, and it's okay. You, you don't have to like him. Just, just have fun at the party. Right? There's no way you'd go to that party, and you'd probably give me an ultimatum. If you're going to keep hanging around that guy that says all this stuff about me and my family, I don't want to be around you. Phew. You know, the devil, he, he only lies. He only lies. He can't tell the truth. Any, any vocalization that comes out of the devil's mouth is a lie. 
It's impossible for him to tell the truth. Just like it's impossible for God to lie, it's impossible for the devil to tell the truth. So everything you hear about Halloween and the effects and all this stuff, it's a lie. If we try to reason through this thing, he's going to lie to us while we're trying to reason it. He's going to say, you know, this isn't a big deal. You're in control. You got it. Just, just, we'll just have a very slight relationship on this one day. We'll just do a couple of things. Can't I just come and sit on your porch for an hour? The reality is, if you say yes, you take your keys out of your pocket, you go, here's the keys to the front door and the back door, you're welcome in every room of my house. You're free to mess around every room, oh, and any person you find in those rooms. I give you that authority by inviting you in. Whew. Okay. Yeah, Halloween is the devil's night. It's celebrated as the devil's night. You can't mix it up with anything else. Every yard that you go by that's, that's celebrating Halloween, it's celebrating ghosts. It's celebrating graveyards. It's celebrating death, decay. It, how can this be anything but the devil's holiday? So let's get ready to wrap all this up together. So Romans 8, you can go back to Romans. Let's go to 8, and then we're going to finish in Romans 12. Because I know that this spirit, or this spirit, I know that this sermon today, this message, if it's the first time you've ever heard it, I'll bet it's pretty heavy. If, if it's the second or third time you've heard it, it can still be kind of heavy. And so I want to make sure that we know this is not a message of guilt trip. That's not what I'm trying to do. And that's why Romans 8.1 says this. There is therefore now no condemnation. To those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. If you're feeling condemned, again, that's the devil. You're a loser. You know you've always done this. You know you're going to always do this. You're such a loser. You're a big fat failure. That's how the devil condemns us. God comes by and convicts us. Now the Holy Spirit goes, hey, Mike. You, you know you've been doing this your whole life. You know you're still doing it. You, you need to make some adjustments, Mike. You can do it because I'll help you. You're a born-again Christian, Mike. You have my spirit. You can break out of this stuff, Mike. Come on, let's do this thing. So I'm convicted. I'm like, yeah, I know I, I did do that wrong. But it's, it's wrapped up in this big old hope sandwich from God that says, come on, together you can overcome this thing. Let's break free of this. Let's get rid of any kind of demonic activity. Let's get kicked the devil out of our life, out of our family, out of our home. It, close every single doorway, every single facet that's allowing him any authority. Let's get rid of that stuff and let's go for God, full of joy, full of happiness. There is not, therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who did not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So Romans 12, 1 and 2, we're bringing this to a close. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul just tells us so clearly. He's like, don't, don't let this world shape you. Don't let this world conform you so that you're, you're, you're misshapen, you're conformed. Be transformed by the power of God through, through living his word, reading his word, studying his word, and, and sharing that word with people around us. So I'm going to close with just a couple of questions. The question this morning about Halloween is not, is this fun? It's not, do I like it? It's not, what does the pastor think about this? The question this morning is, 
Is this something that glorifies God in my life? And do I believe that he wants me to be a part of it? Whatever we say yes to in our life gets stronger. Whatever we say no to in our life gets weaker. So is this something that glorifies God in my life? And do I believe he wants me to be part of it? And do I think that if, if you celebrate in Halloween, are you going to go to hell? No, I'm not saying that. I, I don't think that. I'm not saying that. But let me ask you one last question, then I'm going to pray. If you're participating in something Halloween-y, <laughs> and that's when Jesus chooses to come back, Jesus comes in the cloud, and here you are trying to get out of that costume or <laughs> wash your hands from doing that thing with the pumpkin. and It's like, are, are, are you going to be embarrassed to look at Jesus? Or when he comes, is he going to catch you doing something that you're proud of him to catch you doing? So, simple as that. It's not about heaven and hell. I don't think it is about heaven and hell when born-again Christians get mixed up and stuff, not just Halloween. But when Jesus comes, we want to be proud, right? When Jesus comes up, no matter what, what time of day, what day it is, say, yeah, here he is. I'm ready. Let's go. So I want to leave you with those questions. You pray about it. You got two weeks. In the past, I've made the mistake of preaching the Halloween message on Halloween or the day before Halloween. And it's like people are like, dude, I, I'm already committed. I, got, I told people I was going to. You got two weeks now. You can pray, make all your own decisions. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, I just thank you for today. This is one of those clear messages that just once again reinforces that there's two sides. There is not 50 shades of gray. There's black and there's white. And the devil's on the black side. He is in darkness. He's in death. He is demonic. You are light. You are love. You're in the light and you draw us into your light. And Father, I pray for every single one of your kids here today, every man, woman, and child, every teen, toddler, and infant, I pray for your blessing upon their lives in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you would once again refresh them in the power of the Holy Spirit and help them to live for you. Give them the desires of their heart that they're able to say yes to you in your ways and they have the power to say no to things they don't want in them and in their lives. And I bless them into that, your very purposes in their lives. And Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that all of us would have something in our lives, whether it's Halloween or something else, that we're holding up to you and saying, Father, would you transform me so I'm not like that anymore? So I don't look like the world. I don't have the shape of the world anymore. Father, would you transform me in this specific area so I can look more like you? I can be transformed into the very image of you, Father, and your Son, Jesus Christ. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So God bless you. Have a great week. I just want to remind you all the stuff going on in the bulletin. There's lots of things going on right now, so weekly and monthly. And Dave and Beth Lemmer, they're coming in just a few weeks. They'll be here before we know a couple of blinks of the eye. Um, they're an amazing couple. They're, uh, they are based in Casper, Wyoming. So I get to tease them all the time. So we're the real cowboys in Wyoming, not, not those guys out west in Wyoming. Of course, his, his, hus his husband, his brother has a huge ranch. I think they have like 
1,000 cows, 5,000 sheep, something like that. He's the real deal cowboy. But um, they just have a way, they have a message that helps us identify some of the hurts that we still have, some of the woundings that we still have in our heart, and, and get totally healed and set free of some of that stuff. Um, their main thing, if I have to describe their ministry, is they teach people how to hear the Holy Spirit more clearly. And, I mean, that's... That's the pathway to everything in, in Christendom, amen? And so if you can just circle those dates on your calendar, there may be another meeting added like on Saturday afternoon, evening. So they'll be here Sunday morning and Sunday night, and I'm trying to get something to fit on Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening. That way you guys could come and see what they're about, and you can go back and invite a friend or two so they can come in Sunday morning and maybe get helped for them too. So just a lot of good things coming up. Be aware of what's going on. And even like the Christmas Eve uh, service, we've prayed about this. We've talked about it. Do we want to have it on Sunday morning? Do we want to have a, a Saturday night Christmas Eve? Do we want to do this? And we've combined these two to try to avoid as much as we can the, the challenges that all of us have because we've got this side of the family's party on this day and this side of the family's party is on that night and then we have to go over there to them. We can't. So 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon, we're hoping will be clear enough. You can still go to any parties you need to go that night. Um, the next day is wide open. Christmas, you can do all with your family. So we try to protect all the family times and our other commitments so that we can come in on Sunday afternoon, still have our Sunday service just be in the afternoon, and it'll be our Christmas service too. So that's the thinking behind that. Just want to just like release you guys to enjoy the holidays with all the other parties and still come in and enjoy church on that Sunday as we glorify Jesus Christ, celebrate his birth. Amen? Yeah. So God bless you. Have, uh.